Alright, alright, okay, okay, what's up everybody, it's LJ Talks Facts right here, because it's facts, like always, of course, hope you guys are doing great on this Saturday afternoon, I know I'm doing pretty good so far, um, you know, I will be going out later on to go watch the end game with my boy Eli, I haven't seen him in six months, I think I mentioned that yesterday, so that'll be nice, going there later on today, um, so I wanted to make this kind of like a three-part episode, because I did want to, you know, talk about, obviously, the Lakers and the Wizards trade, and, you know, the recent NHL signings, and a couple trades in there as well. And I also want to talk about Bray Wyatt getting released from the WWE. And that just happened a few minutes ago. So I know I said I was going to try to do like... Like just the Lakers and Wizards today. And do hockey tomorrow. But no, we'll throw it all in. You know, we got a lot of time. We got 58 minutes right now. We just started off. So let's do it. We'll start off with hockey. We'll start off with hockey. I'll do a few of the recent signings that have happened. I'm just going to the NHL page real quick. And we'll do a few of them. Pretty surprised my Islanders haven't done anything yet. Pretty surprised about that. So we'll talk about a few of the signings. So Patrick Laine re-signed to a one-year deal with Columbus. And man, he... (laughs) I thought Laine going to the Blue Jackets last year was really going to turn them around, to be honest. And he was going to lead them to the playoffs. Yeah, that didn't happen. The Jets actually got better without Line A. So, I mean, Line A staying in Columbus. It's a one-year deal, so he'll be a free agent after this season coming up. So, he's got to have a big year, you know, if he wants a big contract offer. Because he's still very young. He just, it seems like he, I don't know if he has an attitude problem, Line A, or it's just, we just don't know what's wrong with him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in Winnipeg, they got rid of him for a reason. I mean, I hope he succeeds because I like watching Line A play. He's good. He's a good hockey player. He's fun to watch. He really is. Hopefully, he can turn it around now in Columbus. Be, go back to the old Line A. And also, uh, Braden Holpe signed a one-year deal with the Dallas Stars. That's actually not bad, to be honest. That's not a bad. It's a one-year signing. You know, it's not that bad. You know, Holpe wasn't doing that great in Vancouver, so. Uh. But now Dallas does have. Four goaltenders. They still have Bishop, Hudobin. How do you say this guy's name? Oderinger? Oderinger? And now Holpe. Yeah, they do have four goaltenders. Oh, my God. Unless they're going to move Kudobin or Bishop. Like, that wouldn't really make any sense. Because Kudobin and Bishop have been good. They recently went to the Stanley Cup not too long ago. So, that wouldn't really make any sense. But that's not bad, I guess. You know, it's, it's whatever. Um... Alec Martinez signed a three-year deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. Not bad. I've always liked Martinez for obvious reasons because he scored the game-winning goal in Game 5 in the 2014 Stanley Cup against the Rangers, and I was watching that game. So I'll always have love for Alec Martinez. I'm sure if you wear that, if you wear any type of Martinez jersey, whether it, be a King, whether it be a Kings or a Vegas Martinez jersey here in New York, you better start running away. You better be on skates. You better start skating away. Because you'll be in trouble for that. But um, not a bad signing for Vegas. Not a bad defensive signing, you know. Not bad, to be honest. I've, like I said, I've always liked Martinez for obvious reasons. But he is a good defender. So it's still good. Uh, let's see. I want to get to the... Let's see. Uh, uh, so Alex Ovechkin re-signed with the Washington Capitals for a five-year deal. So it does look like Ovi. He is, like, was he 35 right now? He'll be 36 in September, I believe. Yeah, he's going to finish his career in Washington. 
He's not going anywhere else unless if he's still playing at 40. <laughs> if he's still going to play after 40, and he probably will. But it looks like Ovi's staying in Washington. You know, Ovi hasn't skipped a beat. You know, he's getting older, but he hasn't skipped a beat. He is playing at the same level when he started off his career in the NHL. He has just been, he has just aged like fine wine. He really has. He really has. He might put up another 50-goal season pretty soon. Don't be surprised if he does it at 40. I mean, Ovi's just unreal. You know, do I think it was smart to go back to Washington? I mean, he chose loyalty. I mean, I don't see the Capitals as contenders right now. They, I mean, they still have a great team, but can they get far in the playoffs? That's questionable. I don't know if they can. They've been first-round exits the last three years. They're still going to make some noise in the regular season, but can they handle it in the playoffs? You have to hope. If you're a Washington Capitals fan, you have to hope. But, you know, I've always loved Ovechkin. I've always had love for Ovechkin, you know, ever since I was a little kid. I always loved Ovi. I believe I had an Ovi shirt when I was 10 years old. Yeah, I had an Ovi shirt when I was 10 years old, and I wore it almost every day right there when the Capitals played the Rangers in the playoffs in 2011. And when the Capitals beat them in five, I was so happy. Oh, my God. It was, it was, it was fun, though. But good for Ovi, though. You know, we'll, we'll see how they do. And Pavel Buchnevich signed a four-year deal with the St. Louis Blues, and that's not that bad to be honest. You know, Buchnevich, he's one of the rare Ranger players that I, you know, that I've liked. You know, I've always liked Buchnevich. You know, I think he's a good hockey player. And going to the Blues, not a bad move. Four years, you know, I think he's worth it. I think he's worth. It. Like I said, I've always had love for Buchnevich. You know, I never had anything against him. Well, there's a few Ranger players I don't have anything against, like Zabanajan. I like. You know, even though Panarin turned us down, I still think he's one of the best goal scorers in the game, so I can't deny that. Um, who, who else? Um, well, I did always like Longquist. You know, I always liked Longquist. People probably wouldn't believe that, but I did. I always love Hank, and I hope that he's doing well. But Buchnevich, the Blues, not bad. Got a nice goal score. That's not bad. You know, we'll see what the Blues are going to do with Tarasenko because he does want out of he does want out of St. Louis. So where is he going to go? That remains to be seen. Uh, let's see. There is a trade here I want to talk about. There's a couple trades. Here's a big one right here. Mark Orange Fleury going to the Chicago Blackhawks. So I am happy for obvious reasons because now Robin Leonard will be the starting goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights. So that I'm happy about. So at least it would be great to see Leonard get the starting job. So thank God for that. So Fleury going to the Blackhawks? I mean, listen, people should be – I think Blackhawk fans – should be happy because this man won the Vesna last year. You know, did he crack in the playoffs? Yeah, he didn't do that great against Montreal. You know, Flurry in the playoffs, he's a very different goaltender in the playoffs because, you know, Flurry's had some great playoff moments, but later in his career, I mean, other than you could say like 2018 where Vegas made that run right there, but they lost in five to Washington, Flurry hasn't had much success in the playoffs recently. But he does have three Stanley Cups, so he'll help the Blackhawks out a lot. And the Blackhawks are a young team. They still have Taves. They still have Patty Kane. You know, they did get rid of Duncan Keith, you know. But Duncan Keith is older. And then uh, Jalmerson retires. So they're a young team, the Blackhawks. But they're going to compete. They're absolutely going to compete. And having Flurry in net, that's huge. And I think the Blackhawks will make it to the playoffs. That's, you know, maybe an unpopular take, to be honest. But I think they will make it to the playoffs. You know, the, the question remains is how will Flurry do in the playoffs? That remains to be seen. But in Chicago, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, though. 
I think it's a good move. You know, I'm pretty shocked Vegas moved on from him, but, you know, I'm happy Leonard's going to get the starting job. So that's going to be great. Another move by the Blackhawks, well, they traded away Brent Seabrook, so another defenseman they lost, to get Tyler Johnson. So we know the Blackhawks' defense is going to be very young going into the season coming up, but getting Tyler Johnson, listen, Tyler Johnson is a solid fourth-line guy. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion right there. I think he'll fit right in with Chicago. Because he'll get you maybe like within 10, 15 goals a season. Maybe, maybe he'll score 20. But like I said, great fourth line guy, wherever they're going to put him. I think he's going to strive very well in Chicago. So they made a couple good moves. They've made a couple good moves of Blackhawks. They really have. Got to give them that. Uh, let's see. We know the Oilers, they bought out James Neal's contract. So we'll see who picks him up. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, they signed Keith Yandel to a one-year deal. So that's actually, it's not that bad. You know, Keith Yandel is older, but going to Philly, you know, I think I think he'll do okay. That's not a bad signing. It's a bad loss for Florida losing Keith Yandel, but him going to Philly, it's not that bad. Really have nothing to say on that. It's not a bad signing. I think he could be pretty useful for them. Uh, David Savard, <laughs> who just recently won the Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay, signed a four-year deal with a team Tampa Bay beat in the Montreal Canadiens. So David Savard's going to Montreal for four years, and that's pretty good right there for Montreal. And they made a couple good signings, a couple good veteran signings. Because David Savard, great veteran defenseman, four-year deal, not bad, Stanley Cup champion winner. You know, I still can't get over the Canadians losing in the Stanley Cup. You know, I really feel bad for them because I really wanted them to win because they had such a great story. Like, you know, they had the worst odds to win the Stanley Cup going into the playoffs. They had the worst odds. And they went to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they didn't win. They got to say, you know what, it's it's still a win for them because they got there. They could, that, that says most for most teams right there. At least At least the Canadians got there, though. That's the thing. And they really should have won. It was a shame that they didn't. But getting David Savard, and they also got Corey Perry, I believe is a two-year deal. Let me see, where is it? And they also got another signing as well, too. So the veteran signed with Corey Perry, two-year deal. Listen, Corey Perry, he did good in Montreal. So now, you know, you know, actually, no, he's going to Tampa. Excuse me right there. Oh, my God. I screwed that one up. Corey Perry's going to Tampa. Oh my goodness, I thought he re-signed. I'm sorry about that one. But that's a good veteran signing for Tampa, I should say right there. Getting Corey Perry. I'm speaking like so fast, I don't even know what I'm saying. But, I mean, Corey Perry was doing good in Montreal. He did good in the playoffs. Him going to Tampa, he's a veteran. You know, most likely play on the third or fourth line. But he'll be pretty useful as well. But now, Montreal, here's the signing I meant to say right here. They signed... Mike Hoffman to a three-year deal. And Mike Hoffman's a shooter. He's a sniper. That's a pretty, pretty good sign. And we know the whole thing with Hoffman in the past of Hoffman's wife and Eric Carlson's wife, you know, what happened in the past. Like, ugh, you know, that was pretty ugly, to be honest. But, you know, Mike Hoffman going from the Blues to a team that was in the Stanley Cup, that's that's a big sign right there because Hoffman's a really good goal scorer. That's big for Montreal. They need that because in the Stanley Cup final, Montreal had no goal scoring. They really had none. They had zero to none, it seemed like, especially in Tampa. 
when they were playing on the road, they had nothing. Didn't they get shut out twice in Tampa? They did not game five to lose the series, you know. They just had no goal scoring. They really didn't. They just... And, and granted, Vasilevsky is hard to beat, so... Granted, but you have a goal scorer like Hoffman out there, that's going to be huge for them. He can get him 30 goals a year. He really could, and he's still young. And let's see. Uh, Ryan Getzlav, he re-signed with the Anaheim Ducks one year, so... Not bad, to be honest. Getzlav is still pretty useful for Anaheim. Anaheim is so young right now. They are such a young team. They are such a young team. And having Getzlav still around, they've still got their captain. He's sticking around. Let's see. Um, Here's one sign I have a big problem with right here. And that's Dougie Hamilton. He signed a seven-year deal with the Devils. Seven years. I think I believe he's got nine million a year. What the hell are the Devils thinking? And that's not even a pun. What are they thinking? Seven years, nine million a year. You're still paying Subban's contract, and that's a bad contract. Subban has lived up to the hype in New Jersey. Subban's been terrible. What makes you think Dougie Hamilton? Dougie Hamilton's a great defenseman, but what? How's he gonna look in a few years? Seven, that's too much right there. I wouldn't have gave him seven years. He's not the best defenseman in the league. I mean, my God. Subban at one time was, but he's not anymore. Subban is completely washed, and he's not even that old. But, oh, my goodness. You're paying so much for defense right there. It's unbelievable. Like, that much right there? Seven years? Then the money is just insane. That's insane money right there. For Dougie Hamilton. That seems like a contract that's going to get bought out in the future. <laughs> I might be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Dougie Hamilton will be great for the Devils. But I think down the line, that's going to hurt them. That's going to be a contract they're going to want to trade away in the future. If they're not going to trade Subban. I mean, Seattle, I'm pretty shocked Seattle didn't pick up Subban. Because he would have been nice for Seattle just getting started. But Subban's just been terrible for the Devils. He hasn't been good. He's had his moments. He's had some moments. But overall, he hasn't been that good. You know, maybe things turn around. I, mean, I think what the Devils need, you know, they... What they seriously need, the Devils, you know... And my honest opinion is they are a young team as well. And now they have the other Hughes brother there as well. What they really, really need to change is, you know, with Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff used to be a great head coach for the Sabres. He really was. He was a great head coach in Buffalo. I believe he did get into the Stanley Cup against Dallas and... We all know what happened there. They lost. You know, it was a BS ending, you could say. It definitely was. But he's just not it for the Devils. He's just not. He was terrible. And wasn't like with the Rangers. Like, he was with the Rangers. I think he was like the power play coach. And they were terrible, the Rangers, on the power play. Or whatever it was that Lindy Ruff was doing there. He's just uh, he's just not a good coach anymore. He's not going to help out the Devils. Lindy Ruff would seem like a better coach for a team that's contending, not a team that's getting started like the Devils, like rebuilding and now it's like, okay, now we're restarting, we're trying to become a good team again. It doesn't seem like he's there. It doesn't seem like he's a good like coach for a rebuild. He seems like a, a good coach for a team that's a contender. That would be different. That's what I think, that's what I think the Devils need to change. Uh, but what do I know? <laughs> um, let's see. Talk about talk. We'll talk about a couple more right here. I mean, Nick Foligno signed a two-year deal with the Boston Bruins. 
That's not bad. Felino's an underrated player. That's not a bad signing for Boston. And I believe, yeah, they did resign Taylor Hall. I'm trying to find how many years he stayed there. Wasn't it like four years, something like that? Just trying to find it real quick. Actually, that was like a while ago. I think it was like a week, almost two weeks ago. Taylor Hall resigned. Yeah, four-year deal. I mean, Taylor Hall really stepped it up in Boston. It seemed like he's turning around because they did say he had like an attitude problem with the Devils. Some people said that. So it seems like he's turning things around. He got a big contract. So that's good. He really stepped it up for the Bruins. He really, he really did. You know, I think that's a great offensive piece. You know, you you um, bring in Felino and you re-sign Hall. That's not bad for the Bruins. It's not. It's really not. Taylor Hall. He probably could get you 30 goals this year. He probably will. He probably, probably will. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find Landon Stog. Let's see. How many years did Landon Stog stay with Colorado? Here it is. Eight years. Eight years Landon Stog re-signed with Colorado. Uh, I mean, like, I really wanted Landon Stog to come to the Islanders, but eight years, I think he's getting like $56 million in the whole deal right there. It is a lot of money, but nothing could do about it. The Islanders haven't done anything. My Islanders haven't done anything in free agency. You know, apparently Parise, Zach Parise is going to sign. You know, they haven't announced it yet. And Paul, they're working on a long-term deal for Paul Mary. And I think Sezikis is going to get announced pretty soon. And they did say, like, the big piece in a Tarasenko trade would be Beauvillier. So, I mean, I really don't want to trade Bo. I mean, I want Tarasenko. But do you really want to trade Bo? I had to think about it. Like, Bo's been great. Bo's had a lot of great moments. You know, he scored the last goal. At Nassau Coliseum. The official last goal. The game winner in game six. Against Tampa. He scored the last ever goal at the Coliseum. You know, it's not Cal Clutterbuck's empty netter against Washington in 2015. It was Anthony Beauvillier's game winner in game six here in 2021. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Bo. I would say no to that, to be honest. I, tell, I would tell St. Louis to fuck off. But Landon Stock staying in Colorado... Listen, Colorado's contenders, man, and keeping Landon's dog is huge, so I got to give them that. So we'll talk about two more NHL signings, both involving goaltenders. So Peter Morazic signed a three-year deal with the Maple Leafs. That's not too bad, to be honest. That's actually not that bad, because Peter Morazic, I liked him in Detroit, and he did good in Carolina, too. I think he'll do pretty good in Toronto because Frederick Anderson, we're going to get to Frederick Anderson in just a second. That's the last sign I'm going to talk about. I mean, Frederick Anderson just wasn't it in Toronto. He just wasn't. I don't think he could handle the pressure. Marazic, I think he can handle the pressure just a little bit. I think he can. I think he'll do good for Toronto. I think he'll get them pretty far. Especially in the playoffs. I think he'll have some big games, Marazic. I think he can handle the pressure. But now with Frederick Anderson... But with Frederick Anderson signing a two-year deal, so he signed a two-year deal with Carolina. I mean, I think now it's more. It's like I think Frederick Anderson will do a little bit better, to be honest. Especially if Carolina does make it to the playoffs, because it is a small market town. Carolina, it's not like you're playing in Toronto, Canada. Now, it's a different environment. I think he'll do a lot better in Carolina. 
I think that he will. I mean, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, some goaltenders have went to different places and they played better. You know what I mean? I just don't think Frederick Anderson could have... I don't think he could handle Toronto. I, don't, I just don't think he did. So... I think he'll do a lot better than Carolina. That's just what I believe. I know it sounds like, oh, but like, what if they make it to the playoffs? I think he could do better Carolina. That's just what I think. So now let's get to the Lakers and Wizards trade. Let's get to it right here. There's a big trade that happened a couple days ago. This was something. So the Los Angeles Lakers have agreed to a deal with the Washington Wizards to acquire Russell Westbrook in exchange for Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and... Contavious Caldwell Pope and the number 22 pick, and that was on Thursday night's NBA draft. And the Wizards are sending a 2024 and a 2028 second round pick to the LA Lakers to complete the deal. Okay. I've been waiting for this right here. Been waiting to do this the last couple days. You know, I look at this trade right here. You know, Russell Westbrook's a nine time All Star, former MVP. Now the Lakers have two former MVPs in LeBron and Westbrook. You look at this trade, did the Lakers give up a lot? I mean, when you think of it, when you think of it, Kuzma in his first couple years with the Lakers, he did okay. But the last two years, especially in the playoffs, Kuzma was a ghost. And Montrez Harrell, he did, he was okay. He wasn't that bad. I mean, KCP... He had his games where he was good, but most of them weren't really that great. But, you know, getting Westbrook, does that solve the Lakers' problems? I mean, you think of it, you think of it, oh, the Lakers, you know, they're back on top now. They're going to go all the way. I mean, there's a lot of things you have to look at. There's a lot of things you have to look at. You know, LeBron is older. He's getting older. The injuries are starting to pile up because he, I mean, obviously was not 100% against Phoenix he obviously wasn't and that was the first time LeBron ever lost in the first round ever in his career the first ever time and it shocked the world it shocked me even you know I thought the Lakers were going to come back in game 6 and win that game and force game 7 and win in Phoenix I really thought that but it didn't happen you know and AD I mean AD is so young he's younger than Westbrook and he's injury prone. West, I mean, not Westbrook. Uh, Davis. I mean, he has been injury prone most of his career. There's been a couple scenes where he's been healthy, but most of his career he's been injury prone. And I like Anthony Davis. I really do. And he's got four years left on his deal, I believe, with the Lakers. I think that's going to hurt them because he's having trouble staying on the court. So I mean, you could say the Lakers are contenders. They absolutely are. But it all depends how they are late in the season. You know. I think Westbrook's going to be fine. Westbrook has been a workhorse for the Lakers. He's only had like two like injured seasons. Other than that, this guy plays like every game. And when he won MVP all by himself in the 2016-2017 season, that was just unreal performances Westbrook was putting on every single game. And granted, he's not a great three-point shooter. That's not the guy you want shooting a three at the end of the game. It's on a blue moon... He can hit a big three. Most of the time, he can't. He's just not a three-point shooter. But he's one of the best point guards I've ever seen in the paint. You know, it's just been unreal what this man has done. 
I've never been a huge fan, but now I look at it, I look at his resume, and look what he's done. How can I not be a fan? I mean, how can I not be a fan? He does, he is very emotional, Westbrook. He really is, so is he going to have problems with LeBron? <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Is he going to have problems with LeBron? They might butt heads, but every every great team has had that, where you know players have butt heads, but they still win. So... It just happens. It's, you know, it's called being a team. You're not going to get along every time. You're going to have your bumps right there where it's like you're going to have a problem with somebody on the team. It just happens. It's bound to happen. But do I think Westbrook is the key to the Lakers winning? You know what? He, he, he just might be. But I am concerned, though, about LeBron and AD because... Like I said, I'm going to repeat myself. LeBron is getting older. And in the three years that he's been with the Lakers, two of those seasons, he's been injury prone. His first year he got hurt, missed a lot of time. His second season didn't miss much time. Didn't miss, I don't think he missed any time at all. He barely. I don't, I don't even know how many games he missed. Didn't really miss any. And then, and then this season right here, in this third season, he was playing every game. Until he got hurt. And people kept saying he should do load management. But I'll give LeBron that. I'm not a a LeBron fan by any means. He still goes out there and plays. You know what I mean? You know, I don't like the way that he plays, though, because he does flop around a lot. He does complain. He does get his way. He does. You know, listen, even if you're a LeBron fan, listen to this. You know, you have to, if you have a brain, you you know LeBron gets his way a lot. And most superstars have, have gotten their way in, in the in the NBA or any sport. And that's, you know, I'm just saying. I know MJ got his way in the past, and so did Kobe, God rest his soul, in the past. You know, and AI, you know, you could say Giannis has as well, and Katie, and Harden. Every superstar does. But with LeBron, it's so excessive, though. It really is. But I'm not trying to hate on the man. We know he's obviously he's a Hall of Famer. Obviously. He's one of the greatest players of all time. I'm not denying that at all. But again, the injuries come into play. Because LeBron's been healthy his, like his whole career until now he's gotten to L.A. And I think it's just, you know, because he's getting older. It didn't just happen for a reason. No, like, oh, like, oh okay, now he's going to get hurt. Like, no, it's because he's older. That's understandable. Usually players, they break down when they get older. It happens. It happens to the best of every player. It happened to Kobe later on in his career. That one injury, when he blew out his Achilles in 2013, I can't believe he still shot two free throws after that. That was just awesome. After that, Kobe was never the same. He just never was. He never was after that. It was a real shame, though. You know, we never really got... We, with some games, we got like a glimpse of the old Kobe, but... It was very rare after after he blew out his Achilles, but still, I'm still in shock. I'm just thinking about like how he shot those two free throws after that. After he blew out his Achilles, like oh my god, man, like that's just unreal. Just built different. He really was. But um, I think LeBron really should do more of load management this year. He really should. You know, I don't even think he believes in it. But I think he should do it. Like, if there's some meaningless games he doesn't need to play in, then don't play. You don't have to play every game. But that's who LeBron is. He wants to play. He wants to play. But you don't have to play every game, man. You don't have to. Same with AD. 
And same with Russ. You know what I mean? Let let your other guys get a chance to play. You're gonna need those guys down the line. Put them in. Put those guys in a big game in the regular season. Let them show you what they got. Because you're gonna need them down the line in the playoffs. Can't be all about them three. It's not gonna be like that. You know. And I was thinking to myself. You know, I I, I would be saying the same thing if Dame got traded to LA. I know I said like, oh, if Dame would go there. It's like you know, hell on earth basically. Because with LeBron's injuries and AD's injuries. But I would be saying the same thing. He would be the key to the Lakers winning. You know, is it a good situation Westbrook is in? When you think of it, it's not. It's really not. You know, because I think Westbrook's going to take a lot of the load this year. And we have seen him come playoff time. He's been gassed. Like, he was really gassed with OKC. Because he was all by himself. You know what I mean? Like, Westbrook can handle the load in the regular season, but once it comes playoff time and you need him to have all the load, I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. You know, I don't know. We'll see, though. It's going to be interesting. And I'm sure Damian Lillard's going to get moved pretty soon. We'll definitely talk about when it happens. He most likely will go to the Knicks, you know, and that would be really interesting if that happens. And I've been pulling for it, you know, because I wouldn't mind seeing him go there. I really wouldn't mind at all. I mean, like, it's whatever. He goes there, he goes there. It's not bad. It doesn't bother me. It's like, okay, more competition for the Knicks. That's fine. It makes them more competitive. But um, the situation Westbrook is in, and just like I said, if Lillard was in the situation, it would not be a good one. And things could turn around. LeBron could be healthy the whole year. The season come up. Same with AD. It's not, it's not guaranteed they're going to be hurt the whole season. Or they're going to be banged up at all. That's not guaranteed. You'll be banged up a little bit because nobody's ever 100%. But they could stay healthy. I'm not saying that they won't. They definitely could. They 100% could. You know, we'll just see how it all turns out. Like, Russ doesn't concern me when it comes to injuries or anything. Because Russ has been healthy most of his career. He's still young. He's going to be 33 pretty soon in November. So he's young still. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's just unreal basketball player. He really is. Made the Wizards a playoff team. Now Bradley Beal's all by himself again. It's like, oh my god. I really hope Beal gets moved, though, because Beal needs to go somewhere else. You know, maybe the Lakers will trade him. Trade for him. I actually wonder, what could they give Washington there? I mean, they couldn't get... No, if they were going to get Beal, they would have got him with Russ as well. You know, they, they couldn't do that. I just hope Beal gets moved to a really good team and gets to compete. I really hope so. Like, maybe he'll go to the Knicks. Maybe him and Lillard both go there. That would be something. But uh, now when you think about the Knicks, they would have to give up so much to get both those guys. It's like either or. You can't do both. But we'll see. I mean, I think the trade, it's going to, I mean, obviously it benefits the Lakers, obviously. So, I mean, you feel bad for a young guy like Kuzma. He is a champion. Whether you want to say he's a scrub or not, he is a champion. That's, you know, he's a champion before Harden. Before Westbrook. Before CP3. Legends are talking about. Hall of Famers. Mellow. PG-13. I mean, come on. It's unreal. It's just unreal right there. Charles Barkley. That's another name. I mean, come on. Oh, my God. You know, but we'll see how they do in Washington. Or see if Washington moves them. 
Because I know Spencer did when he brought up like something with Kuzma and Harrell. So maybe the Nets will get them? I mean, well, Kuzma was originally drafted by the Nets. But then we traded him and Brooke Lopez away to get D'Angelo Russell. That's when the franchise turned around for the better. It really did. I mean, could the Nets get Kuzma back and get Harold? I mean, Harold brings great size. He's a great defender. He has his offensive moments. You know, Kuzma, not a great offensive player, to be honest, right now. But can he turn around for Brooklyn? I mean, D'Angelo wasn't really that great of an offensive player with the Lakers. But he came to us, and he turned it around pretty good, I would say. But... I don't know. We'll see, though. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. You know, it's a pretty shocking trade, but now we'll see when Damon... We'll see when Damon gets moved. Let's say Aunt Beal. Hopefully, Beal gets moved. Come on, get him out of Washington, please. Put him somewhere else. He deserves to be on a contender. He doesn't deserve to suffer anymore. Same with Lillard. I mean, well, Portland... I mean, well, they're obviously a better team than a Wizards, so Lillard has a better chance, but... It just shows that Lillard wants out. And cross the Lakers off, that's not going to happen now. So maybe the Clippers then? I mean, maybe. That would be something. That'd be a great counter right there. But we'll see, though. But now the last thing I want to talk about is Bray Wyatt getting released from the WWE. And obviously, for those who know, I haven't watched WWE since March. But I still you know, pay attention. I watch some clips online. I know, I know that Cena's back, Goldberg's back, uh, Balor's back on SmackDown, Sasha Banks came back last night and she turned heel, so whatever. <laughs> you know, I just, I lost a lot of interest in the WWE, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. Actually, no, that is kind of true, that is true, I just couldn't take it anymore with, um, with WWE, WWE, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know, just the way the company's been going and everything, it's just, I, I don't know, a lot of people could probably would agree with me on the same thing. It's just really, like, falling off, it really has, you know, I tried to enjoy it, but I really just couldn't anymore, I just, I just really couldn't, that's just, that's the truth right there, and seeing Bray Wyatt get released... You know, I don't know if he asked for his release or if WWE just flat out released him. I hope that they didn't. I hope that I would, I, I pray that he asked for his release. Because that's a bad look for WWE if they just released him. And that was it. Because we know Bray Wyatt's been going through a whole lot. Ever since Brody Lee's, you know, ever since Brody Lee's death, Bray Wyatt just hasn't been doing good mentally from what I've heard. You know, he does look pretty good, though, because he did lose some... He did. He lost a lot of weight. He looks really skinny right now. He looks pretty good, to be honest. Because when he started off, you know, he was... You know, heavy set. He wasn't not, not fat. He was just heavy set. But now he's really, like, you know, slimmed down, which is something. Like, wow. But I hope that he is doing good. I really hope that he's doing good right now. You know, it's a real shame, though, seeing Bray get released, though. It really is, you know... Because I loved, I loved Bray Wyatt. I really loved his character in the WWE. I really did. He was one of my favorites. You know, I still say to this day that he should have won the Royal Rumble in 2017. And Randy Orton should have won the WWE title in the Elimination Chamber. And Bray wins at WrestleMania. He wins the WWE title at WrestleMania. Not the other way around where Randy wins the Rumble. I mean, it was nice to see Bray win the title. 
obviously, at Elimination Chamber 2017, I was really happy that he won. Because, yeah, we know what they were doing. Because Randy was part of the Wyatt family at the time. We know what they were going for. It just could have done it the other way around. I don't know what. It was that simple. It could have just done it the other way around. Bray could have had a WrestleMania moment. Not get beat by Orton. That match was bad at WrestleMania 33. That match was terrible. It wasn't good at all. It was so bad. And seeing Randy win, people were pissed. And I was pissed. I was like, seriously? And then Randy held it for a month. He lost to Jinder the next month. Like, seriously? Like, come on. That was so bad. And then you really didn't see Bray doing that much until he got into a feud with Matt Hardy. And that was a pretty good feud. And then they became Raw Tag Team Champions, you know, not too long after that. And that was, that was really cool. They had a great run as Tag Team Champions. I loved them as a tag team. They were fun to watch. But then again, then we didn't see Bray for a while after that. Then he, with this new character right here, you know, looking like an evil Mr. Rogers, you know, which was pretty funny. Um, and then he became the Fiend, you know, when he brought in that character right there. That was really something. You know what I mean? Like, like that was, you know, that was a really great character. Um, and it was one of my favorites. It really was, you know. Just seeing this new character that Bray developed. You know, it was one of the best. And it got over with the people, too. You know, at first when we saw Bray Wyatt come back with the Firefly Funhouse, everybody was kind of skeptical of it. They're like, okay, like, what's going on here? They said, there has to be something behind this right here. Like, Bray is not just all of a sudden, like, you know... He doesn't have some evil tendencies. There's no way he's just, like, full-on good right here. But, no, he did still have his evil tendencies with other persona, The Fiend. And when, and when The Fiend made his debut, I believe it was in July of uh, 2019, I mean, that was something. It was over with the crowd. And his first match as The Fiend against Finn Balor at SummerSlam 2019 was something. It was, like I said, it was over with the crowd, too. The you know, crowd was chanting, yowie, wowie. You know... Bray Wyatt seemed like now, like, this character really is getting over now, which is great. You know, and then when he won, you know, and here's the thing, and before I got to say before he won, when he had that feud with Seth Rollins for the Universal title, like, that's where I really started to lose interest. Not because of the feud. Not because of the feud. Because of the match at Hell in a Cell in 2019, where they stopped the match. A Hell in a Cell match. A match that Mick Foley almost died in, in 1998, in 1998, where Mick Foley almost died, when he faced The Undertaker, when he got thrown off the cell, onto the announce table, which could have killed him, and then he got chokeslammed through the cell, into the ring, and he still kept on fighting, that match never even ended, it didn't get, it didn't get stopped, The Undertaker won, I didn't mean to say it never ended, but it didn't get stopped at all, it didn't. They tried to stop it. Mick Foley said, no, I'm I'm still going in. I'm ending this match. (laughs) And the fact that they ended that match right there, because Seth Rollins grabbed what was like the hammer that, like that big hammer right there that The Fiend had, and and he had like Rollins had all these objects on him. He started hitting with it. The referee rang, rang for the bell, and they ended the match. I was like, What? And you even saw, like, Sean Waldman, a.k.a. X-Pac, he was pissed. That's not how you end the Hell in a Cell match. There's no, there's no disqualifications. 
Anything goes. The fact that they did that right there and the crowd was pissed. I forgot where they were. I don't know if they were in California, but that, that crowd out there, they were pissed about that match. They were chanting AEW or re- and restart the match. I was like, oh my God. I was like one of the most hostile crowds. And there's been more hostile crowds than that, but they were pissed. Like you could just hear it. They were so pissed off. Like, oh my God. Like, they were seriously, seriously pissed off. It was like, oh my god. Like, this crowd is just... Whew. That was something, though. And it's... (laughs) It got so many dislikes on WWE's YouTube page. Like, oh my goodness. People were not happy. They were not. A lot of people were really pissed off by it. But then a couple weeks later, at the Blood Money, excuse me, Saudi Arabia show, a couple weeks later, and it was like, the match cannot be stopped for any reason. It was a false guy anywhere match. And the Fiend won the Universal title. And I was happy that he won. I was like, was it that, was it that hard to do? Why didn't they just give him the belt at Hell in a Cell? Why did they have to do such a screwy finish like that? It made no type of sense. It made no type of sense. Who wrote that? No, seriously, who wrote that right there? Did, Vince, did they bring in Vince Russo for Hell in a Cell 2019 to write that? Because that was terrible. Seriously? But then, like I said, then he won the title at the Blood Money show in Saudi Arabia. So that was... I was happy for him. It was in the main event, especially, too. It was like, oh, wow. That, you really give him his moment now in the main event right here. Well, he won the main event, Elimination Chamber, so... But you guys know what I mean right there. Um, and he had a good run. He had a good run with the belt. Because then he got moved to SmackDown and they moved Brock Lesnar to Raw. Because, you know, Brock was the WWE champion. So they switched brands. Because, um, wasn't it? Because The Fiend got drafted to SmackDown. And they had to put champion on Raw. So that's why they put Brock back on Raw. And they kept The Fiend on SmackDown. Thank God they did. Because then he had a great program with Daniel Bryan. And, and The Miz in there too. Like he really changed. Everybody The Fiend faced he changed. Like Balor went to NXT. Uh, Rollins became the Messiah. Daniel Bryan went back to his old persona. Because he wasn't. He was, he was a baby face again Daniel Bryan. But he wasn't doing the yes chant anymore. He still wasn't doing the yes chant. You know. But then after his match with The Fiend at Survivor Series. Daniel Bryan came back. At um. TLC when Bray Wyatt faced The Miz and he has old persona back. It's like his old hairstyle as well. Like when he like when he like when he debuted in the WWE. Um basically. And the Miz changed too, because he turned heel and then him and John Morrison teamed up again. You know, and after Bray Wyatt was done with the great program he had with Daniel Bryan, it was definitely the best feud he had. Then they had to screw it up. Put him in a feud with Goldberg, and then he faced Goldberg at the Blood Money show, another Blood Money show in Saudi Arabia. And Goldberg beats him in, what was it, four minutes? So the Bray Wyatt, who tore apart Seth Rollins, who's still in his prime, and Daniel Bryan, who's still very much in his prime, beat him as well. He loses to Goldberg. 
And he didn't even get a rematch against Goldberg. And the fact that Goldberg won pissed me the hell off. Because that really ruined The Fiend's character. Because he's supposed to be this unstoppable monster. And he loses to a 50-year-old man in Goldberg. That made no type of sense. It made no sense to see Bray Wyatt get destroyed. Or see The Fiend get destroyed. I mean, seriously? They had to do that? They had to give Goldberg another run? I get what they were trying to do. They wanted to do Goldberg versus Roman when then the pandemic started. Roman couldn't compete with WrestleMania because, you know, he did have, you know, he's a two-time leukemia, you know, survivor. So he's more, like, exposed to getting, like, you know, a virus, you know, like like COVID. So he couldn't compete with WrestleMania. We didn't see him, of course, like, um, four months later, at, or five months later, I should say, at SummerSlam. And, you know, ever since Roman's came back, he's been the best character in the WWE. You know, um, so I get what they wanted to do. They wanted to do Goldberg and Roman. I understand. I get it. But you didn't, you didn't have to do it for a title. You didn't have to do that. You could think, you could think like, oh, but then who would Bray face at WrestleMania? You get creative. You could have done Bray and Braun. Okay, fine. That's how it could have all started at WrestleMania. Or, I don't know, Bray versus anybody else. Or you could have done Bray versus Cena for the title. There you go. It's that simple. It, it's that it's that simple right there. I don't know what was the point of giving Goldberg the title. I gave it was to do Goldberg versus Roman, but that match didn't need a title. And the fact that Braun won at WrestleMania was basically because Roman couldn't compete. So it didn't even feel like a real win for Braun. It just didn't. It just felt like, okay, you're our second choice. That's what it felt like. It was like the audible right there. Like, you know, like you know what I mean? Like, seriously? I mean, yeah, in the Fiend, he did beat John Cena at WrestleMania. It was a cinematic match, like, with the things that they were doing. It wasn't, like, an actual match, but he did get his revenge, the Fiend, or, you could say, Bray Wyatt in general, for beating John Cena, because John Cena beat him six years ago prior to that at WrestleMania 30, which shouldn't have happened, which made no sense, because Cena did not need that win. I, I don't know why he won that match. He just didn't need it at all. It's whatever though, but I, I enjoyed that match though, and then that's when the whole like program with the Fiend and uh, or just Bray Wyatt in general with Braun Strowman started. They wrestled that Money in the Bank it was just you know Bray Wyatt's Fire Funhouse character, and he lost to Braun. He was that close to winning, and then Braun and then Bray stepped away for a while because you know, his wife JoJo, I believe, uh, gave birth uh, soon after that, so he took time off. And then he came back, and then he brought back his old Bray Wyatt character, and they wrestled in the Swamp Match, him and Strowman Extreme Rules, the horror show. I enjoyed that, actually. It was cinematic, but I enjoyed it. It changed Braun. It made Braun into, like, more of a monster, that, like how he started off, kind of. Like, just not caring about anybody. But then The Fiend was the one that came out of the, uh, the Swamp, so Bray Wyatt won that match, and then The Fiend returns. Goes after Alexa Bliss and, and changes her. But it wasn't official till like, you know, a couple months later where they did the partnership. But then The Fiend won back the Universal title at SummerSlam only to lose it seven days later to Roman. And granted, Roman's had an amazing run. He's the best character in the WWE. But seven days? I mean, come on. Seriously? And then after that, The Fiend and Alexa were together, you know, for a while. 
or not for a long while, I should say. And then, you know, The Fiend had that feud with Randy Orton. And the feud was, it was good, you know, and especially when Randy Orton, like, lit him on fire. I mean, obviously, I mean, we know it wasn't him, obviously. And then he comes back months later. It was it Fastlane. So he comes back there, and he looks so much different. It's like, I get it because he was burnt, you know, lit on fire. And then they do the match with The Fiend and Randy Orton and the rest of the I think, okay, he's going to get his redemption on Randy Orton. Alexa Bliss turns on Fiend, and the Fiend loses. And that's when Bray stepped away from WWE, because, you know, like I said, ever since Brody Lee passed away, you know, Bray hasn't been doing that well. He really hasn't. And I hope that he, I hope that he is doing good right now. I really hope that he is. And, like, again, I hope, I hope that WWE, I really, really hope that WWE didn't just, like, release Bray because screw it. I really hope they didn't do that. Oh. Well, let's see if this is true, though, because this is, like, per, like, Dave Meltzer right here. It says, this just in for somebody on Twitter. This is, like, somebody that's on Twitter that I know. So... Exact quote from Dave Meltzer right here that why its release was due to budget cuts, why it was preparing for his return before this happened. Okay, so this was due to right now, right now at the moment, this was due to budget cuts. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Oh my god. Due to budget cuts, he was preparing for his return. Uh, come on, you gotta be kidding me. If that is true, though, and that's just really disgusting. If that is true, then that is disgusting. I know Dave Meltzer isn't really reliable as much anymore, but if that's true. I, I have no idea what to say right now. All I gotta say is fuck WWE then. I hope that it's not true, but right now... That is just terrible. Budget cuts? Seriously, for Bray Wyatt? I mean, come on. If he was preparing for his return, that makes no sense. I really hope to God that that's not true. Budget cuts. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I really have nothing to say if that's true. I, re- I really, really don't. I don't know what to say. I really don't. I really want to go on a huge rant right now. But if that's even true... <sighs> I... I, I, I... I'm really pissed off now reading that. I really am. After everything that he's been going through, Brain, and you release him due to budget cuts. Due to budget cuts. Really.
That that is just terrible. That that is just terrible. There's nothing. That's really disgusting. It really is. It, it really is. I'm really pissed off now reading that. I really am. Like budget cuts to Bray. Out of all people in that company? How about say budget cuts, you release Goldberg due to budget cuts? How about you do that? A guy who can't even wrestle five minutes in the ring. How about you do that? Or how about to a guy like Reginald right now? I mean, I get he's pretty entertaining to the people, but his character's annoying. Has he even like wrestled? Like actually wrestled? You know what I mean? Like, oh my god. Bray Wyatt, budget cuts for Bray? There are so many people in that company that don't deserve to be there. Oh my god, budget cuts. Oh my god, that's just disgusting. How about, how about Nia Jax right there? She doesn't deserve to be in the company. Give her budget cuts, then I wouldn't care. I'm really disgusted right now, guys. I gotta go cool off right now. But I hope you guys enjoy this episode right here. And the next time I'll talk to you guys will be... Uh, if no other sports news comes up, because I'm waiting to hear about, you know, signings with the Islanders, obviously. Or re-signings, I should say. Or maybe the Tarasenko trade still happens. I don't know if it's going to. But if nothing else in sports happens... I'll talk to you guys next Thursday with my AEW Dynamite Homecoming review. And if that is really true that Bray Wyatt got released due to budget cuts, fuck Nick Khan and fuck Vince McMahon and fuck the WWE. And people who still support this company, that's your own choice. That's your own choice to support them. But just know, look what WWE's doing. All these budget cuts is disgusting. It really is. And if Bray Wyatt, like, let's just say if he does go to AEW, he should take over the Dark Order to honor Brody Lee. And somebody mentioned on Twitter he should bring in Malachi Black as his right-hand man in the Dark Order, if that happens. And it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed Bray will go to AEW. It's not guaranteed. I'm saying if. It's a big if. Because if he was preparing for his return, you know... I'm just saying, if he does go to AEW, that's what they should do. That's what he should do. That's what they should do right away. I hope that he's doing good right now, and just I'm just really I'm really pissed now. People see why I don't watch WWE anymore. That's why I don't care about it. But I care about the wrestlers who deserve to be there getting released. I you know Bray Wyatt deserves to be there. He does. Even though I don't watch anymore. He deserves to be there every week and put on a great show. He's preparing for his return. I mean, come on, seriously. And look what they're doing to Keith Lee. They bring back just to lose. This is so stupid, man. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you guys soon, all right? Thank you guys for listening, like always. Love you guys. I'll talk to you guys soon.